0: We always like to say that we're only 1% done, um, and, and it's pretty much true most of the time. So even though we've built an amazing product and an amazing team, our ambitions are so much bigger. Um, and our essential mission is to, to bring design to everyone in the world and make it accessible to everyone in the world. Um, and that can be across a range of different areas, presentations, websites, social media posts, making business cards, uh, you know, who knows, VR. Um, and and giving people this ability to create great design even though they might know exactly how to go about it or think they have the skills to do that. Um, and helping them communicate their ideas and bring them into the world and make them a reality.
1: Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. In this episode, we have the man in blue himself, Cameron Adams, co-founder and chief product officer with Canva. He's a product designer, team builder, and SaaS scaler-upper extraordinaire. He reflects on his main designer role in Google Wave, a former attempt to eat Slack's lunch, forming a rocket ship loved by more than most called Canva, chief evangelist Guy Kawasaki's contribution, and how he has evolved towards making himself the author of his own destiny. And an update subsequent to this interview, in May 2019, Canva raised a round of 70 million dollars, leaving the company with a red-hot valuation of 2.5 billion US dollars. So today on 14 Minutes of SaaS, I'm delighted to have Cameron Adams, co-founder and chief product officer of Canva. How are you? Pretty good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks a million. Tell me, tell me your story, uh, right the way up to uh, heading out into the the, the working world.
0: Oh, you've only got fourteen minutes, right? That's true. <laughs> um, I suppose uh, going back to childhood, my dad owned a computer store, so we often, me and my brother, would often hang around there, and we would sneakily slice open the video game uh, boxes and. Copy the, copy the games onto our computer and reseal them very neatly and put them back on the shelf. And we always, we always messed around with technology in that way. And we had a whole range of technology. I think uh, we started off with a cartridge computer using old cassette tapes and eventually graduated to, a, to an XT and then a 386 and kind of stayed in the Windows environment for a long time. Um, yeah, and then eventually, you know, I'd always messed around and never did anything formal throughout high school and
1: then in university you got, got interested in computer science. Cool. And not that long after university you set up a design agency um, which won some incredible clients like Atlassian and TEDx and NEC. How formative was that whole experience for you as an entrepreneur? Yeah,
0: it was interesting. I think the web came a little bit later to Australia than, than definitely the United States. Um, so it was, it, was, it was somewhat easy to get clients in Australia then, Um, you know, there weren't too many people building great websites or that really understood the technology. So having my blend of design and technology really helped Um, so I could work with these people to come up with great design and then also implement it in a really robust way. Um, Working with clients is always an interesting experience and I did that for about six years uh, and I think it, yeah, it helped me understand the basics of running a business. I wouldn't say I was like the ultimate businessman, but, you know, billing clients, talking to them, getting requirements and building something that, that made them happy was really great learning.
1: Cool. Um, I'm amazed at your persistence in your kind of personal project called uh, Man in Blue. Um, it's been going since the beginning of the millennium. How important has that been for you as a focus and for your success?
0: Yeah, it's been going about 18 years now. I only kind of really thought about that and thought, wow, how old am I? But uh, it started out as just a playground for me to experiment with design and, and with technology and try out a bunch of things. And through that process of learning, I kind of wanted to share that with people. And for me, around the time 2000, 2001, it was a really exciting time because uh, there was a particular technological um, direction being pushed at the moment on the web, which was web standards. And CSS and JavaScript were just emerging then. Um, nowadays they're kind of very old technologies. But back then, no one really knew much about them, so you could do new things with them every day and write them up and share those with people and feed off their ideas. And it was a really good community. Um, and yeah, I started writing a lot on my blog and, and trying out a lot of things and that got a bit of attention. And ultimately, got me a few book deals to write about some of the technology. Um, and yeah, I think it was, it was highly formative in me you know, getting clients and meeting new people and networking and, and helping me get to where I am today.
1: How were you prized away from uh, Google? You were a UI designer helping Jensen and Lars Rasmussen, the Google Mass founders, with their creative vision for Google Wave. That must have been very exciting. Um, First of all, how was that? And and second, how could you leave it?
0: (laughs) Google was a really interesting experience. So I tried to get into Google a couple of times, mostly on the technological front. So I'd I'd interviewed as a JavaScripter and I wasn't quite good enough to be a pure engineer there. uh, And totally forgot about it. And then one day, um, one of my good contacts, who who I'd met through my blog, uh, got in touch and said, Google's looking for a designer. Um, you're interested. And I went and met Lars Rasmussen, who yeah, is one of the founders of Google Maps, and he had this really interesting project that they were working on, and they were looking for a contract designer. So, I didn't have to do any interview. Um, and it was this top secret project that had, I think, three people on it, when I, when I kind of joined up with them. Um, and it was totally secret from the rest of the Sydney office. No one around the world knew about it. It was basically Lars Jens, a guy called Adam Schuch, and um, Larry and Sergey over in, over in Mountain View that they were the only people who knew about it. And they were prototyping something and needed a bit of design to, to actually get the experience, you know making sense and, and working. Amazing. So I worked with them for about six months on a contract basis, and they took that prototype to Larry and Sergey and said, "This is what we want to build. give us budget and a team." and they said, "Go for it." Um, And then Lars flew back and he said, hey, would you you want to work at Google full time? I'm like, sure. So (laughs) that's the way you get into Google without actually interviewing. Um, And yeah, spent four years on that. That was a massive roller coaster. A lot of people kind of know about Google Wave and and the ups and downs it went through. Um, And the project kind of ended about four years after it started. And I looked around Google at the time to to find some interesting things to work on. Google Plus was just being developed at the time. Um, and we tried up a a, a couple of our own projects in the Sydney office but ultimately I think the drive for me was to kind of be in control of my own destiny and create something that I was actually adding huge amounts of value to Um, so
1: that led me to leave and and start up my own thing and eventually uh, you you got to Canva Um, when you were deciding whether or not to get involved in that um, you know, could you see uh, kind of the complementary uh, qualities of the three founders? Was that was that a big reason why you decided to take a bet on it?
0: Yeah, that was that was pretty much the main reason that I went for it. Well, I mean, there are there are lots of contributing factors. I'd spent a year after Google uh, starting another startup with two engineers from Google that was who, the email who I knew one, well. Was yeah, that was fluent, yeah. um, and we were creating a new type of email product. Uh, somewhat similar to, to what eventually got released as you know, Google Inbox and Mailbox and those types of things. Um, this was a couple of years prior. And we, we had reacted to what we'd seen at Google. So Google was an extremely engineering-focused company. Um, at the time, design was a fairly nascent specialty there. Um, and product managers there were also extremely engineering-focused. So the three of us left Google with, with the intention of being a much more product and design focused company. Um, the thing we left out of that was business focus. Um, so none of us were great businessmen and, and we, we didn't end up being able to get enough funding and, and, and revenue generation through that product. But luckily, towards the end of it, Lars introduced me to this uh, woman called Mel, Mel Perkins. And I went to go talk to her and they were, they were looking for some technology advice at the time. Uh, so they had this product that was written in flash and was designed for making school yearbooks. And they wanted to, to kind of scale that up and, and meet this bigger vision that Mel had. Um, and she told me about this idea she had for Canva and it was really exciting to me because I have both a graphic design background and technology, so it all, it all kind of really meshed. And I could see in Mel and Cliff um, the two other legs of the stool that, that I would really need to to contribute to a successful company. Um, and I brought the design and the technology, Mel and Cliff brought an incredible vision and business hustle, and just an ability to get things done and, and lead a massive
1: company. Um, so yeah, it worked out beautifully. Brilliant. Um, Sydney is my favorite uh, city in Australia, although I haven't seen Brisbane yet. Is it a good place to scale a company?
0: Yeah, it's been amazing for us. Um, we, we go to Silicon Valley every now and then. Um, not too often actually. But when we're there, it, it does strike us as a very different scene. It's, it's highly competitive. Uh, there's lots of churn in the companies there. Employees leave, come and go quite frequently. Here in Sydney, we've built up a really loyal um, bunch of people at the company. Um, and they're there and they believe in our mission. And the culture that we have at the company is also like incredibly attractive. We, we try and make it we make it the place where we want to work and the place where we want to build relationships with people. Um, so it's almost a family in that sense. And the lifestyle in Sydney kind of feeds into that as well. It's amazing sunshine. Uh, it was the middle of winter last week and it was still 20 degrees <laughs> Celsius. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just a great lifestyle, but paired with people who
1: are really passionate about their work and, and want to create something huge and massive. Fantastic. Guy Kawasaki as a guy most people recognize and he's been on board with you for quite some time as your chief evangelist. Um, How important is he for your success?
0: Yeah, he played a really, really big role at the time. So, yeah, he's probably been there three, three and a half years, I think. Um, And we stumbled across him, he was using, using Canva for some of his social media posts and marketing. And we kind of recognized that and got in touch with him And he was super excited about the product and and what the company was trying to do. And we eventually convinced him to come on board. Um, And he's been an amazing megaphone for us. He has worldwide audience, goes to conferences pretty much every week and and speaks about his experiences um, and manages to weave Canva in there and and show Canva to to people around the world who have never heard about it before. So yeah, he's amazing, amazing messenger and communicator of Canva.
1: And what's your vision in the next few years for Canva? what would you like to see it uh, develop into?
0: We always like to say that we're only 1% done um, and, and it's pretty much true most of the time. So even though we've built an amazing product and an amazing team, our ambitions are so much bigger. Um, and our essential mission is to, to bring design to everyone in the world and make it accessible to everyone in the world. Um, and that can be across a range of different areas, presentations, websites, social media posts, making business cards, uh, you know, who knows, VR. Um, and, and giving people this ability to create great design even though they might know exactly how to go about it or think they have the skills to do that. Um, and helping them communicate their ideas and bring them into the world and make them a reality. Um, and there's so many areas that we, we aren't in that we still want to go into. Um, and the areas that we're, we are in, we can go so much deeper on them. So uh, the next, Two years is, is well mapped out. Even the next 10 years, I think we've got enough work to, to keep wow. this going. I think what excites me, I mean, there's probably two areas. There's like my kind of very personal intrinsic uh, drive, which is about exploring new things and coming up with new ideas and new ways to combine design and technology and to create like a different experience. Um, and then through Canva, I've seen a lot of, a lot of. Good that we're doing for the world as well, which is incredibly inspiring. So being able to offer a tool, which is you know, ostensibly about creating graphics, but really empowers people to take their idea into the world and kind of change their own lives. And the number of stories that we've seen of people using Canva to start up their business or find new volunteers for their charity or raise funds, uh, it's been incredibly inspiring. And that's, that's what drives us day to day, is those stories and this, this vision of people being able to, to to control their own destiny and improve the world themselves.
1: I've seen you talk about harnessing your naivety. Could you expand on that? I think, uh, yeah, I think
0: entrepreneurship is probably about 50% naivety. So having a vision of, of, of a way you want to make a dent in the universe and deciding to go after that uh, Kind of requires you to ignore a bunch of things that you probably don't know or that other people would be scared about. Um, so having that naivety can give you the give you the drive to kind of confront those problems, even though you don't know how big they are. Um, and also, you have to constantly be, be questioning things and diving into the why. Like even when you're build, even when you're working with a product team, um, so you're working with engineers or designers, um, asking them why and drilling deeper into their their methodology and their understanding it helps you kind of think about the way they think of it, make sure that you've got the right solution. I'm gonna tweak the little things that can improve a design or, you know, cut down the timeline that you need to do things and, and essentially get things done.
1: Canva is a graphic design platform that has raised $157 million on a valuation of $2.5 billion, founded in 2012, and hq out of Sydney. It has 713 employees, that's a whopping 130% increase over the last two years, half of them in Australia, mostly Sydney, and almost 30% of them in the Philippines. It has several small offices dotted around Asia and Brazil, employees have an average tenure of 1.7 years, but that low number is just a reflection of its hyper growth rate, tons of new recruits. Its ranking for customer employee success is outstanding on G2. It's the top-ranked display ad design software for both customer satisfaction and ease of use. And at Glassdoor, 94% of employees would recommend the company to a friend. In the next episode, Cameron talks about the importance of trust and feeling safe to express oneself and contribute ideas. How Canvas continuously evolving its average contract value upwards as it moves into the enterprise, it remains a grassroots technology that anyone can use, but it has the habit of creating evangelists. And often that leads to seeded growth and internal virality within larger organizations. I feel the biggest insights from Cameron, not surprisingly given his passion for design in particular, and also for SaaS, are around product development, innovating, and the challenges and excitement of helping to effectively build teams within the context of a hyperscale entity you've been listening to 14 minutes of SAS. thanks to mike quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to ketsu for the music this episode was brought to you by me stephen cummins if you enjoyed the podcast please don't forget to share it with your network subscribe to the series and give the show a rating